some glad morning when this life is gone, I'll fly away. Day, glorious day, that will be 
takes me when he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land what a day glorious day that will be oh that'll be great won't it be a wonderful time when we get to see jesus face to face in heaven and we're going to do what it says on the screen, we're going to cry out, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. I want you to find somebody you haven't talked to yet this morning and let them know it's going to be a glorious day to see Jesus face to face. Could, uh, get everyone to take a seat for just a moment. I want to uh, introduce myself. So many of you may know uh, Ryan Underdown, uh, member of Westgate, uh, I think 21 years, roughly, uh, roughly speaking. Um, I teach a Sunday school class for young adults, which I'm not sure if I'm qualified as young adults anymore, but I, I help teach that uh, with Ricky Rory uh, up in the upper room up there. Uh, more importantly for today, I'm chairman of the Youth Pastor Search Committee, and so I thought it would be great if we could have an update uh, of what's going on with the Youth Pastor Search Committee, given that we haven't had a youth pastor since August, and there might be a few people wondering, well, what's happening with that? So um, first, it'd be great if I could have members of the Youth Pastor Search Committee maybe stand so we can see who you are, for those that are here. We have some that are traveling. Uh, some are already standing behind me, <laughs> Miss Christy. Uh, thank you, Debbie. Um, so uh, just being aware we have a good group. Um, we've met a couple of times. Um, and, and we have the great guidance of Raymond and Jeff to help us, which is great, uh, kind of lead us along. I was part of Jana's search committee, so I have a little bit of background and what we're supposed to do, but it's great to have your, your experts going on uh, there. So we've had a couple of meetings. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, resumes are few. Uh, you, you know, job shortage across the board, right? You're finding qualified people no matter what industry, whatever it is, you know, unemployment's at a record low. Um, same with what I'm, what we're hearing with in, in the world of youth pastors. So that that's Part of our challenge, the good news is we have help from various seminaries and contacts and what have you, and, and folks are in contact with Raymond and, and sending recommendations and resumes. So we have at least a couple to look at. Uh, even better news is we have uh, our first Zoom call Monday night with a candidate that was recommended uh, to Raymond. Raymond spoke with him a little bit. So we have our, our first Zoom call uh, tomorrow. And we'll see where that goes. It could be a hit, could be a miss. Uh, we'll see. If it's if it's a hit, then we'll ask that individual to uh, to visit Westgate and, and be a part of our service, that type of thing. You might get a chance to meet that individual and so on. So, uh, it that's it, things are happening. Um, you know, my my goal is is certainly as as chairman of the committee is keep you updated. If we have something going on, something changes. I want to put it in front of you so you know what's happening. Uh, youth are a vital part of what we're doing. I've got two kids in youth, so I'm highly invested <laughs> in the success of this. I think Raven and, and, and Peter have done a terrific job filling in. Would that agree? A round of applause for these two guys. It, 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 it's not an easy gig, right? It's not to, to wrestle uh, teenagers and get them to think about Christ. So I appreciate uh, the effort that's been going. My boys have commented on how awesome it has been, to be honest, 
uh, on Sunday and Wednesday nights, but this is an interim solution that we need to find uh, someone to come in and lead our ministry. So uh, I would ask as a congregation they would pray for, the, for our committee, that, that we would be in tune with what God would have us to do. Uh, pray for that individual. There's somebody that God, God's already picked out someone. Pray for that individual to touch their heart. There will be, they know they're coming to us. So would you be in prayer for, for, for our church, that we get the right person? This is a critical role in, in the growth of our church, in the life of our church. So um, I would encourage you to visit some of the committee members. Uh, Joe, Debbie, Christy are here. I'm here. Uh, if you have con you know, thoughts, Ryan, I really like to have this type of person. Okay. All right, that's good to know. Right now we have one resume to look at. <laughs> uh, we'll see where it goes from there. Um, so... Uh, I would ask, uh, if you wouldn't mind, uh, join me in a word of prayer as, as we think about uh, the church committee. Uh, dear Lord, we are so thankful to be in your house this morning. And we are just uh, also so thankful. You've got someone picked out for us that's going to be our youth pastor. And we, we just hope that you'll reach out to that person and touch their heart and uh, be with the members of our search committee Help us to be in tune with what your desires would be. Lord, we, we're, we're so thankful that we have a congregation that can support us, that will be praying for us, a group that is concerned about the success of the church. Lord, we uh, are thankful for the guidance that, that Raymond and Jeff are providing to the committee. It's so critical to giving us uh, uh, just a steady hand of what we should be doing. Lord, as we leave this place, just as we have conversations about youth pastors, just uh, be with us all and, and to understand what we might, how we can pray for this committee and, uh, and be in support. Lord, we ask that in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Ryan. choir is going to introduce a new song to you this morning called Hymn of Heaven. And uh, before we do that, I want to read what um, a mentor of mine in the ministry wrote on um, Facebook earlier this week. When you go to church on Sunday and you feel that old temptation to point out what's wrong with the place, the coffee's lukewarm, the lights are too bright, the temperature is wrong, or the music's too loud. And of course, I don't even know those songs. Remember in that moment that there's a Ukrainian church that's gathering in a subway tunnel to worship while bombs blast overhead. There's no coffee, there's no instrumentalist, there's no leader in skinny jeans and tennis shoes pushing them to worship. They're down there in real time and in real life, worshiping the king above all kings as their world is crumbling down. We've been blessed with freedom here, church. Freedom to worship as we feel God is leading us. No, it's not like that across the world, and you know that. But I just want to remind you that of this morning as you hear this new song, Hymn of Heaven. And I just ask that you join with your hearts and as you're comfortable hearing the melody, go ahead and sing along with us, okay?
Father, you are our living hope. There is none besides you that can give us the hope of eternal life. That hope of conquering sin and death and being alive with you forevermore. May Jesus be magnified here in this place today as we've cried out the hymn of heaven, glory, glory, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. May Jesus be magnified in this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated as children. You make your way on down here for children's time. It's time for children's time with rain. Good morning. You guys look all right today. Are you scared? No? Are you scared of anything? Scared of heights. Okay. Now we're getting honest. Snakes. Okay. I got you. At our house, we have a little pretend snake. And we will take that around and we will like put it under somebody's bed or we'll put it underneath their pillow. And uh, we kind of play with each other that way. Well, not Miss Michelle and I, but with our kids. Yeah. <laughs> what else are you afraid of? Spiders? I don't like spiders either. Anything else? Wasps, bees. We kind of got the whole gamut of things there. Okay. They may be afraid of the dark. Sort of, kind of. I was afraid of the dark when I was young. Scary things on your tablet. I agree. Don't watch scary things on your tablet. I don't watch scary things on my tablet. I can hear that. Sure. What did Jesus say about all that? About all these things that we're afraid of. What did he say? Did you know that he said something? And he said something that can be, is just two words. Can you guess what they are? Don't be scared. Don't be scared. But that's, that's really part of what he's saying. That is true. But he's saying something a little bit more than that. I will always be with you. That is all... Don't, don't be afraid. I'll always be with you. And the words we're going to look at today are take courage. You know what courage is? It's to be brave. Can you be brave all by yourself? Not usually. Sometimes we think we can. But don't you feel like you're braver when someone else is with you? Like if a snake came out and there were two or three of you, wouldn't you feel braver than if you're by yourself? And if you're in the dark, don't you feel a little bit braver if your mom or dad is with you than when you're by yourself? A lot. Yeah, right. And what did Jesus say? He said, I will always be with you so you can be brave, no matter what it is that you're afraid of. God will help us. Sometimes the scary part about it says you can't have courage without fear. You can't have courage without fear. And Jesus helps us with that. And we're going to talk more about that. We're going to talk about a story today. Have you ever heard of a guy in the Bible named Peter? Yeah, yeah maybe once or twice. Okay. Have you ever heard about this guy named Peter walking on water? Yeah. yeah, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. And I want you to listen real close and hear what Jesus says to him, okay? And what that means. Let's pray. Lord, we know that there are a lot of things that we can be afraid of. But we're reminded today that you have told us by your authority and power and because of your presence in our lives that we can take courage, we can be brave and we can face whatever makes us scared. Help these children to believe that when they're scared. Help them to trust you with all of their heart, soul, and mind because we know when we trust you, we find the greatest courage. Please guide us now as we go through this time of listening to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 
you guys, thanks for coming down. And listen closely as we go, okay? And tell your parents to listen too. Well, while they're making their way back to the seat, just quickly, uh, a number of you have asked if you didn't get the one call that we are uh, collecting an offering to go over to uh, Ukraine to help out with the mess that is over there. What a tragic situation that is. And, and, and you know, there are tragedies all over the world. You know, sometimes we get a lot of attention to that, and certainly what's going on in Ukraine impacts the entire world. Uh, so you can help out with that. One of the, one of the ways that we're uh, ministering over there via uh, some missionaries that we are aware of and know uh, we are giving money to them as refugees cross over the border and they are housing them. And we have two different spots that we're looking at in which we are sending money to help. Uh, one home has probably 30 plus people living. And when we talk a home, we're not talking about a home that we would typically think of. And so if you would like to give, you can just put Ukraine or Russia on your uh, offering and drop that in one of the offering boxes on the way out. And I know we may have some people uh, visiting with us. We're delighted that you're here. You're guest of someone or you walked in or you heard about Westgate we're glad to hear there's a card that looks just like this in front of you in the back of the pew we'd love for you to fill that out just put your name and number on there and you can drop that in the offering boxes on the way out no obligation to give and we'd love to be in touch with you and help you out to, to better know what Westgate is about and see if this might be a good fit for you but uh, we're glad you're here well, we're in a series called mandates and in this particular series we're talking about the things that Jesus has commanded us to obey and the fact that he is mandated for all of us as followers of him to teach other followers to obey everything that Jesus has commanded us. And we've discovered that the reason we do that is because everyone is better off when we obey Jesus in everything. And that's real important to remember, in everything. Because if we obey a few of the things of Jesus, we're not going to be better off. He gave us all of these things so that we would obey all of them so everyone would be better off and we we learn to do that by becoming more knowledgeable of the commands that are in scripture because that can be a little bit of a challenge right it's not like we know what all the commands are just off the top of the top of our head and so we're looking at those being knowledgeable and then and follow this process of denying ourselves, dying to ourselves, our selfish ambitions and follow Jesus that's literally what it means is to follow after Christ and this morning we're going to be looking at a command that we probably wouldn't think would be a command it's like I'm not even sure that's a legal command for all of us. But Jesus gave it to his disciples in a very interesting situation. Take courage in Matthew chapter 14, verse 27. Take courage. The word literally means to have firmness of purpose in the face of danger. Isn't that interesting? To have this resolve to face what you're afraid of. It empowers us, this kind of courage empowers us to do what we, what we might not otherwise do. Have you ever turned your back on something that was frightening to you and you went the other way? Sure, we probably all have. And as we think about this, we will see Peter step out of a boat in the middle of the night, in the middle of the lake. But even though we're looking at a very, some very risky behavior, this vignette from Scripture is not given to us to advocate adventuresome risk. You could easily spin it that way. I've always been a, a late bloomer in life. And uh, that may explain why at the age of 39, my frontal cortex, prefrontal cortex, was not completely developed, and I agreed to jump out of an airplane. Now, it was a safe adventure because it was a static line jump. That, that means that you have this parachute on you and then you have a rope that's tied to the airplane and it's tied to your ripcord so that when you jump, it automatically pulls the chute. And so what could go wrong, right? The only problem is static line jump is from 3,000 feet. So if things go wrong, you have about 10 seconds to correct it before you hit the ground. You sit through a class in which this guy for several hours tells you about everything that could go wrong and how little time you had to fix it. And you guys all know this guy. You know the guy that, that trains you for these kinds of jumps. He's a guy that never went to class in school and dropped out in the ninth grade. 
And so you're not feeling real confident about this, and we get up in the plane, and of course there's a lot of peer pressure that goes with this. There's a lot of peer pressure with any first jump for sure. And so we're up in the plane, and anybody know Scooter Winter? Yeah, some of you know Scooter. He's a pastor out at First Finette, and so he's part of this crew that got me to go. And so we're up in the plane, and I'm thinking, well, you invited me, so you can go first. But I, but I said to him, I said, would you like to go first? And he said, no, 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 you go first. And you're sitting in, in this plane with all of these guys that have jumped a number of times. They're, they're going higher, and they're going to jump out, and they're going to you know, spin around and do all this weird stuff. And so you're the first guy out, so I know that if I don't go quickly, I'm going to hold everybody up. So I'm over there, and I, I jump out of the plane, and fortunately, the static cord works. And I will admit, it was a real rush, but it could have just as easily ended up being a rush to the emergency room or the funeral home. So I'm not advocating it. All that said, this story is not about that kind of stuff. If you hear this message and you say, yeah, I'm going to go jump out of a plane, you have missed the point. We're talking about a different kind of courage. John Wayne, the legendary Western actor, said courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. But saddling up anyway. <laughs> kind of how he said it. We have... We, we, we have seen this demonstrated over in the Ukraine, haven't we? President Lezinski, and he's not everybody's fan for sure. He's got his own issues. But he re refused to leave his war-torn country when he was offered an escort out. Instead, he replied with that famous line, I need ammunition, I don't need a ride. And the brave people of Ukraine have taken heed to his words as so many have stayed back for the fight. This is a kind of courage that Jesus is talking about. That resolve to do what is right. And so we turn to Matthew chapter 14 verses 22 through 33. And I'd like to read the story of what has happened and then we'll kind of break it apart and see what God might want us to remember from this day. It says in Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 22, that immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. I'm talking about the feeding of the 5,000. I'll talk about that more in a moment. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land. It was buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they screamed. But Jesus immediately said to them, our verse for today, Take courage, it is I. Jesus always uses correct grammar. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And Peter got down out of the boat walked in the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. God, please use this scripture to speak into our lives. We are living in such precarious times. So much of the landscape that we are familiar with is changing. Speak to us through your word, the eternal, infallible word of God. Forever relevant, able to address the needs of our lives, even now today. So please speak to us and let us be receptive to your Holy Spirit. Lord, may it be as if we were standing in a room, turning on a radio, to catch the frequency, that we would turn on the right frequency to hear from you today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, before and after of this statement about take courage, Jesus has just fed 5,000 men, which would equate to probably, estimates are, are, are pretty close, about 25,000 people were there. And Jesus fed them all, you recall, with just a little sack lunch. This was the second year of Jesus' ministry, 
It was near the Passover and about a year before he would go to the cross. After they had finished, we, we learned from other Gospels that the crowd was trying to make Jesus into an earthly king. And for that reason, Jesus, using his authority, dismissed his disciples and said, you guys go to the other side of the lake, the Sea of Galilee, and get in the boat and do it now. It was a very tense situation. A riot was about to erupt. They wanted to physically make Jesus the king. And who knows what would have happened next. They may have even marched to Jerusalem for Passover to say, here is your king. So the disciples leave. And they're set off to go on a very short trip. They're just going to kind of skirt the northern tip of the, the, the Sea of Galilee. But they end up out in the middle of the lake while Jesus goes up on the mountain to pray. So the crowd of about 25,000 people, they're dismissed. The disciples head out across the Sea of Galilee and Jesus goes up onto the mountain to pray. They should have been there in a, in a matter of an hour or so. But here we find it says that it was shortly before dawn. They've been there all night. They're out in the middle of the lake and there is this ferocious storm. As we think about that particular situation, we know that Jesus, sometimes in our life, because we know that he got there to him, right? He will let us go through great hardship for the greater purpose of recognizing our desperate need for him. Do we have a desperate need for God? We do. Even if everything was idyllic right now, if everything was perfect, just the way that we wanted, our need for God would be no different than if nuclear bombs were flying into the United States even today. Our need is the same. We are all desperate for God. And Peter recognized that. Think about that story. Just what is playing out there. Here they are out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And we, we have a diff difficult time comprehending that in our modern culture, modern technology. We could never imagine how dangerous that would be. Even if there was a storm, there's the Coast Guard. There's somebody to come out and rescue us. There's lights. You can see the lights on the shore. There's, there's different kinds of, of, of rescue vehicles. They're, they're going to come and save us. But they're out in the middle of pitch black night. Could have been the moon was out somewhat. Very few fires along the coast. And here they are fighting against the storm. They keep on rowing, but they're not getting any closer to the shore. And Jesus shows up and they say, there's a ghost out there. Any of you afraid of ghosts? We didn't mention that in children's time. You know, probably when you were younger, you thought you're afraid of ghosts. If you live by yourself and it's kind of weird at night, and it's kind of creepy in your house and you kind of hear things. They were scared to death. And it turns out to be Jesus. Jesus says, take courage. It's I. You don't have to be afraid. And then Peter seizes the moment. Think about this for a moment. In your personal relationship with God. As crazy as it sounds, Peter felt like he was safer out in the middle of the lake with Jesus than in the boat. Have you ever felt like that? Most of us would say, like the other 11 disciples, I'm not getting out of the boat. You go for it, buddy, but I am staying in the boat. You think about a, another dynamic that's playing out there. Some of you are wondering if Jesus has any idea where you are. And so you're afraid. And we're going to talk about fear in a couple of weeks. Kind of look at this from a, from a different angle. And you wonder, sure, I have reason to be afraid. But did you know Jesus knows exactly where you are? Okay, think about the Sea of Galilee. There's over 41,000 acres. Now, that's a pretty small ranch here in Texas, right? But 41,000 acres of water out there. And these guys are right out in the middle of it. And do you think that Jesus was kind of walking around the lake? Hey, guys. He went exactly to where they were. Because why? Jesus knows exactly where you are. You say, well, yeah, I'm in Beaumont. I'm not sure he's going to find me here. He will. He knows your situation, your story, 
the adversity that you're facing. And Jesus went exactly to them, but not exactly when they would have preferred. Because sometimes, sometimes, Jesus is pushing us to have greater dependence upon him. Where does courage come from? This resolve. It comes from focusing on Jesus. Look back in verses 27 through 30 and you find that that Peter was okay when he focused on Jesus. It, Peter takes a bad rap for a lot of things, doesn't he? But man, this was a courageous move. I mean, this was a, a, a move of incredible faith. He had been a fisherman all of his life. He knows that when you step out of the boat, you sink. And he's out in the middle of the lake. It's about 100 feet deep. It's the middle of the night. There's no helicopter to come and bail him out. He doesn't have a life preserver. He knows the 11 in the boat, they're not going to jump in after him. And he steps out of the boat because he so longs to be with Jesus. Are you willing to take that kind of risk to be with Jesus? The risk of failure, embarrassment, danger to be with Jesus. And as long as he keeps his eyes on Jesus, as we've heard so many times, he was fine. What is courage? Courage is trusting Jesus. And when Peter stepped out of that boat, he was trusting Jesus the way that all of us need to and probably many of us are struggling to do. But his trust was so strong that God allowed him to walk on the water, realizing that when you trust in me, you can walk on water. But then he began to sink when he took his eyes off of Jesus. Have any of you taken your eyes off of Jesus? You kind of look for other alternatives to resolve the problems in your life. And Jesus, through the story, is calling us back to put our focus on him. A number of you are in situations that you never asked for. You don't want. And your heart is being torn apart. And the question for all of us is, are we taking our focus back to Jesus? Because if we don't, it'll sink like Peter. So courage is not jumping out of an airplane. Courage is trusting in Jesus Christ, believing that he will guide you, he will guard you, and he will prepare the way ahead of you. you many of you are reading through the Bible in Exodus chapter 23, I guess it's a, a week or so ago, reminded of the people of God being delivered out of Egypt. And what did God do? When they're under that, that attack from the Egyptians, it says that God was before them and behind them, and he was going to prepare a way for them to guard, to prepare and to guide them. See, this account of Scripture is given to us to help us to mature and to grow. Peter wasn't fully mature, but he was on the, he was on the path because he was trusting in Christ. And the end result of this event, what is the end result? That Peter sank? Look back at the story. Look at, the, look at Scripture for just a minute. What was the end result? You tell me, what was the end result when you look back at Scripture? Come on, guys. What was the end result? They worshipped Jesus. This was a growing experience for them because in Matthew chapter 8, we have a similar account, though nobody walks on the water. In Matthew chapter 8, the disciples are out in the Sea of Galilee with Jesus in which this enormous storm comes on and Jesus is asleep though he still knew exactly what was going on, he woke up and he said, be still. And the lake became as smooth as glass. And in Matthew chapter 8, earlier in ministry, their response was, who is this man? And now, later on, as they have walked with Jesus and they are learning to trust him, they don't ask, who is this man? They bow down and recognize him as the Son of God. That's what trust is. 
So the question for us today is, who are you looking at? Who are you looking at? What is your focal point on? The writer of Hebrews tells us in chapter 12, verse 2, that if we're going to persevere, and a lot of you are persevering right now. We've been through a hellacious two years of the pandemic, for, but for a lot of you, it's like, that, that's the least of my concerns. That's the least of my worries of all the other things that have happened. And if we're going to persevere, the writer of Hebrews says, we have to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. I wonder if the writer of Hebrews wasn't thinking about Peter out in the lake. And we keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. Why? We live in a culture in which you've said this, I've said this, we've heard someone say this, you can do this. You ever had someone say that to you, say that to someone else? It's very encouraging, inspiring, but it's not true. What Jesus is saying is, we can do this. The idea that you can do it is a misnomer. The idea that I can do it is a misnomer, but we with Jesus can do this. And Jesus demonstrated that. Let's go back to the mountainside. Let's go back to the feeding of the 5,000. Let's go back before the walking on the water. What was Jesus dealing with and why was he praying all night? You think, well, you know, he just did that. But why was he praying all night? Think about it. 25,000 people just surrounded him after that miracle. And they did exactly what Satan tempted him to do in Matthew chapter 4. If you will bow down to me, we will make you an earthly king right now and you won't have to go to the cross. And here is Jesus in his humanity, feeling the pressure of that temptation, fighting against it, knowing what lays ahead for him. And he says, I will not. And so he dismissed the disciples. You guys go, crowd, you go. And he went to the Father and he began to pray as he fought against the temptation, as he focused. His courage was focusing on God the Father. So the question is, who are you focusing on? Jesus knows where we are and he will provide everything that we need through his presence. And that's why Paul would write, as we have seen each week in Philippians chapter 2, Verse 13, as we think of all these verses, God will give us, he will give us, if we desire it, he will give us the power and the desire to obey and please him. You know, the prophet Hananiah spoke to Asa, who was a king of Judah, after he'd made a very bad choice and he chose not to trust God. His courage, his bravery was placed on someone else instead of God. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, he would say to the king, pointing out his failure, the eyes of the Lord searched the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And that won't happen unless we are focused upon Christ. I think about the courageous statement of courage that you find in the closing verses of Habakkuk. Though the fig tree does not bud, there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, when everything doesn't go my way, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will focus on the Lord and be joyful in him. For you, sovereign Lord, are my strength. You make my feet as a deer, enable me to tread on the heights. You enable me to tread, to stay, to go to dangerous places and be victorious. Friends, our courage will inspire others. Our courage in God. You think about the sanctions that are being levied against the Ukraine. Again, there's a lot of people that don't like Zelensky. He's, he's become kind of a rock star in, in culture. But I will say this of his, the way his courage has inspired others. The sanctions that you see that is being yielded against the Russian oligarchy, the elite. European Union was meeting online. And they were talking about sanctions. Minimally. 
Wall Street Journal reported on this particular meeting in which they're talking about what, what's basically the least that we could do to demonstrate that we're in support with them and, and to, to levy sanctions. And then Zelensky joined the meeting in which there wasn't really much decision being made. There wasn't much courage being wielded. And he said to them, this might be the last time you see me alive. And all of a sudden the meeting changed. And those world leaders began to listen to what he had said. And then they began to put in place the most crippling sanctions that we have seen since the Second World War. See, our courage in Christ can inspire others to be courageous as well. And when I'm saying courageous, that means to be trusting. So let me ask you a question. What about the people that you see? What about the people you may see for the last time this week or next month or later this, later this year? Are you doing everything to help them find Christ? I'm going to ask you to do something that's not terribly courageous, but it's somewhat courageous. There's cards like this in the, at the end of the pews. And if you just begin passing them down the row, because this is our homework. By the way, how did you all do with your homework last week? How many of you were a servant at home? How many of you were a humble servant at home so you're not raising your hand? Okay, I, that's probably all of us here. I hope you did that because that was our homework. Our homework for this week is to take one of these cards and to give it to someone. Not leave it on the back of a toilet in a restroom somewhere out in the public, but to physically hand it to someone and say, I'm a part of Westgate. We'd love to have you, but if you don't come here, we hope that you'll find a church in which you walk closely with Jesus Christ. And remind them on the back of the card is a way that they can enter into a relationship with Christ. And that you would not wait until next week or next year to give this card out, but you'll give it to someone this week. Because friends, everybody needs to know that God loves us and has created us for an eternal relationship with him. He's created us to trust him with our very lives and our very eternity. And we will never find that on our own. We will sink every time we get out of the boat unless Christ is with us. But with Christ, we can do all things. Jesus Christ will make us right with God for all of eternity. We can be changed forever by humbly repenting of our sins and asking Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of our life, which means we surrender everything that we have to him. If you've never prayed to receive Christ, I hope you'll join me in this prayer. Take this first step towards entering into a relationship with Christ. And for all of us as believers, followers of Christ, would you ask God to make you a courageous Christian, one that truly trusts him, God, thank you for your word that reminds us of what it means to be courageous. To courageously trust you as Habakkuk did when nothing made sense. To be courageous like Peter that said, I don't understand a thing that's going on here, but it is better to be out in the water with you than in this boat. Lord, we recognize that some friends even with us right now via online or in this room may have never trusted you to redeem them from their sins. And we pray that this would be the day that they would voice a prayer similar to this. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner in desperate need of your forgiveness. Please forgive me of all my sins and become the Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender to you all that I am and all that I have. And I will follow hard after you the remaining days of my one and only life. Lord, you are so good to us. Even when things don't seem good, we always know that we can trust you. Help us to do that even now as we leave this place, trusting that you will use us to be a vehicle for someone else coming to know and understand you as Lord and Savior. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, during this worship service, you may have felt that God was moving in your life. There's so many different ways that God moves. You just say, I feel like God is doing something in my life. Just fill out a communication card and 
put your name and phone number on that and put it in the offering box on the way out or meet me at the cross or meet us at the connection center out in the atrium after the service and let's talk further about what you sense god is doing in your life let's stand together let's sing let's worship and let's respond to god Oh. 
Let's go tell the world of the treasure we found in Jesus. You're dismissed.